the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And here he is, our financial and retirement expert in studio, Larry Rosenthal himself. Good morning. Good morning, Chris. And how are you today? So far, I've decided to leave the copper tone at home. I don't think we're going to need it today. Boy, what a change in weather, huh, over just 24 hours? It has definitely been interesting, for sure. It's a wild ride, right? Yeah, a little light rain, but, you know, it has been a very interesting couple of days. I've enjoyed seeing the weather warm up for a minute anyway for a nice little respite. Yeah, well, it's coming back now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. It's okay. You know, a handful of weeks from now, and, uh, well, before you know it, Pitchers and catchers will be reporting in spring camp. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. There yeah. you go. There you go. It's just around the corner. Uh, absolutely. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show here. This in the middle of January with winter bearing back down on us again here on the East, on the east Coast. Um, well, the numbers are in, Chris. Mm-hmm. The numbers are finally in. Everybody's looked at the different numbers. They've picked it up, spun it around all different ways, and they've analyzed it. And the, the results are... What a massive, robust season of holiday sales we just went through. Oh, yeah? Yep. You know, it's interesting because it didn't seem like there was that many people in the stores. This has to have been online stuff, mostly. Well, they're just cumulating all the numbers now, and that's what the reports are saying. Lots lots of good news. Whether it's in the stores or, well, wait a second here. How would you know if people are in the stores or not? Because I was in the stores. I thought you do. I thought you were an onliner. I am sometimes. Oh, okay. So you're a little bit of tweener, right? I'm a little bit tweener. Of yeah. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. But anyway, very good, robust holiday sales. We'll talk about that as because that's going to relate into more corporate earnings, and we've already started to see some of that coming out next week, uh, or this past week. We are in the uh, beginning of earnings season. You know, at the beginning of each quarter, in this case, January, February, a lot of the you know the S and P five hundred companies, our publicly traded companies, report all their corporate earnings for mm. the fourth quarter of last year, and then as anticipated, um, hopefully the estimates will come in correctly with with another rise so we'll, we'll we'll take a look at that we're you know the estimates are it's going to be an increase of about 11 percent over last over fourth quarter 2016 as far as corporate earnings goes so we could continue to see the markets uh, uh climb on that news so we'll wait and see hear how that plays out over the next handful of weeks we had some Dow 20,000 here it comes uh Dow 30,000 that's what really. i meant to say yeah because yeah, we've already exactly. popped 20 Exactly. So, you know, we had uh, banks reporting some banks uh, reporting this past week and they they blew out numbers very nicely. So uh, so it it helps the stocks continue to to extend their their run. 
Um, and small business confidence is, is really surging now, too. So It's exciting uh, news. It is. It is. You know, retail sales, they advanced uh, four-tenths of a percent and rose five-and-a-half percent in December, uh, you know, uh, for the – which which was you know a big big number, mm. so stocks are off to a good start again this year. All three major indices, the Dow, the S and P, and the Nasdaq, are all all clicking into the positive area, which is is very interesting. Starting to get a lot of interesting conversations with clients today about wanting to take more risks. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today on the show after we get through you know the the do's and don'ts. And President Trump is actually going to be doing something that that uh, only one other president before has really done, and that was Bill Clinton. And that is President Trump is going to go uh, visit Davos, which is, you know, where the global uh, establishment of the World Economics uh, uh, Summit is every single year. And uh, mm-hmm. Bill Clinton did that his last year uh, as as a sitting president. So it's kind of interesting, you know, uh, because remember, Clinton was always saying, remember, it's about the economy. Right. And uh, President Trump, you know, probably echoes that, that same thing there. So kind of an interesting to yeah. see. see thing to see see if he says anything over there i'm sure he will Uh, (laughs) i haven't known him to be too quiet about a lot of things no not at all but i I like to see that you know um uh you know uh keep an eye on twitter keep an eye on on what's happening in the economy too so very very important there so you know the markets are pushing ahead the economy looks very strong and uh you know we're gonna we're gonna uh come back after commercial here this morning we'll be talking about the tale of three different investors we'll also talk about some of the tax code changes this week uh, or, or or this this year in 2018 as a result of the uh, new tax planning uh, scenario congress just passed through as well as your questions so give us a ring here at 855-ROSE-123 i'm larry rosenthal you're listening to making money sense give us a call at 855-767-3123 back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved, and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan first pre-approved certificate, 571-490-7117, or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage, 571-490-7117. Troy Turow and McLean Mortgage Corporations in MLS numbers 5618 and 99665. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Now, here's Larry Rosenthal. Back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show with Larry Rosenthal here in studio today. Remember, our phone number is 855 767 
3123-855-ROSE-123 to talk to our financial and retirement expert in studio taking your questions. Larry. Absolutely, Chris. So the we want to talk a little bit today about three different types of investors. Okay. Or, or or an investor that has, you know, three three different ways to go about investing dollars or money into the markets and, and over a long period of time. So um, this this takes place in and this is ignoring taxes and fees and all that kind of stuff. But but from if you were to put a thousand dollars a year into the markets, okay, starting January first, nineteen ninety seven. Then through December 31st, 2016, because that's the latest data that we have here, okay? So, so during that 20-year period of time right there, three different strategies. Investor number one said, I'm going to chase performance. In other words, each year, investor number one invested in the previous year's best-performing market segment, Okay. So he said, hey, you know what? Let's go see what just happened really well, and let's mm-hmm. go invest in it. Follow quality, I guess. Yeah. Follow quality, follow something that did well last year. Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of the period of time, at the end of that 20-year period of time, that investor had a balance of $38,765. So just remember, investor number years. one wow. chased performance and ended up with thirty eight grand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, they put 20000 in. They put $1,000 a year in over a 20-year period of time, and they ended up with $38,000. Okay. Investor number two went the opposite way. Investor number two each year put money into the worst performing market segment, hoping for the rebound the following year. Mm-hmm. So they were chasing, you know, sort of the dogs, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So investor number two put the same $1,000 a year in, the same $20,000 over that same period of time, and ended up with $34,000 and some change. Wow. Okay. Isn't that interesting? So investor number one chased performance and ended up with $38,000. Investor number two, quote, unquote, bought low, chased the dogs, and ended up with $34,000. Now let's bring in investor number three who said, you know what, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to take that same $1,000 over that same time frame, but I'm going to divide it up into eight different asset classes. Mm-hmm. In other words, I'm going to have some money in international, some money in bonds, some money in small cap, mid cap, large cap, whatever it is, eight different asset classes. And each quarter, I'm just going to simply rebalance it so that I have the same percentage, 12.5% in each asset class, all 20 years. Okay. Put the same $1,000 in, the same $20,000 over the same period of time. Nicely diversified, right? Exactly. Now, remember, investor number one who chased performance ended up with Mm $38,000. Investor number two who chased the dogs, who said, hey, I'm going to invest in everything that was down last year, ended up with $34,000. And investor number three, who had a diversified portfolio, ended up with $40,000. Oh, well, there you go. So investor number three ended up with more money. But that's not the end of the story. Here's my point is, because investor number three had money in eight different asset classes, 12.5% inside each different asset class. 
they actually had less risk than investor number one or investor number two. And ended up ahead. And ended up ahead. That's exactly correct. Hmm. That is exactly correct. And so the point here is this. And that now I have seen other studies that say if you don't rebalance quarterly but rebalance every two years, you'll even end up with more money. So, so you have to take, you have to understand, and, and people get so far off the mark of this, okay? But modern portfolio theory basically has proved out over time that your asset class selection, not the stock, should I buy XYZ stock or ABC stock? Not that, but it's the asset class selection, makes up for over 92% of your portfolio's long-term rate of return. So let me let me understand this. So if you're looking at all, there, how many asset classes are there? Well, that's for debate, Chris. You know, but there's I a mean, bunch. How of many them, different right? types of apple pie are? Right, there, right, okay? right. So how do you know? So, so some people say there's ten different asset classes. Some people say nine. Some people say right. nineteen. Some people say thirty-six. It just depends on how you want to dissect the asset classes. Okay. Okay, but you're not going to so, spread yourself thin across all of them, are you? No. No, then you end up with what I would call diversification. Right. You have okay. too many different investments inside of your portfolio, and they're pushing and pulling against each other. So, so let's just let's just break it down and start at the very beginning here. The three main asset classes are cash, bonds, and equities. Mm-hmm. So there's only three, Chris. How's that sound? Yeah. Well, wait a minute. In cash, sectors and all the rest of it. Well, in cash, we have. Sub-asset classes, we have CDs, we have cash equivalents such as treasury bills, we have money market funds, we have checking, savings accounts, mm. so we have different things like that, right? So we have, now we have under cash, we have bank products and we have government treasury bills, okay? So when you look at bonds, how many different types of bond investments can you have out there? Yeah. You can have very conservative AAA-rated bonds all the way down to, to D-level massive junk and extremely risky bonds, right? Mm-hmm. Same with stock. You can have large company growth stocks, large company value, large company blend. You can have dividend payers. You can have growth-oriented stocks that don't pay dividends. So you can have mid-cap, small-cap, international, international small-cap. I mean, just all kinds. So see how the pie just keeps on dissecting? So does it depend on where you are in your life and how close you are to a retirement, uh, to where you would be in some of these different sectors? Well, yes, it does. And it doesn't. it's not necessarily retirement, but it's when you want the money to start coming back to you. Mm -hmm. For example, somebody could say, you know, hey, look, I want to retire at 65. But at 62, I want to move into semi-retirement. So I need some of my investment money to supplement my my uh, uh, semi-retirement years, okay, until I take Social Security or something like that, right? So so the, the, the rule is the closer you are in time to needing the money to come back to you, the more conservatively you need those dollars to be positioned. Mm-hmm. And there's different strategies involved with that, too, Chris. You can have what, what, what some people call quiet pool of money. Well, you might take, you know, 20% of your money and put it in cash and live off of that for a couple, three years while the rest of your dollars are continuing to grow. So it's kind of a hybrid uh, approach. Oh, there's so many different approaches to it. Yes, so many different approaches. And that's part of what the financial advisor's job is, is really to sit down with clients and say, okay, these are the different strategies to, to, to deliver income into your portfolios with as least risk as possible. At the end of the day, 
when it when it comes to to what you're talking about here now is you want to make sure that that you have uh, sufficient income coming into your portfolios, coming in, you know, delivering income streams from reliable sources in the most tax efficient manner, and having your principal continue to grow to outpace both taxes and inflation down the road. So it's like a tapering effect. You want to grow, 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 and then start getting income out of it. Yeah, you do. You know, when you break down the three phases of financial planning: accumulation, distribution, and legacy. During the accumulation phase, you want to grow, but as you're approaching distribution, you need to say, hey, you know what, my, my investments that have got me to this point aren't conducive For to delivering income. Right. So you need to have some, you know, sort of a, a grow pile of money, and then you need to have a grow an income pile of money, and then an income pile of money, right? Uh-huh. So it's so a rebalancing you, sort of a, of its own. Right, exactly. So you slowly, you know, shift those those types of investment orientations over over time. So but, what is a what is an income when you want to start getting that income? Where would you put stuff so that it would it would give you an income? Well, there's there's several different ways that you there's there's different products and strategies that you can use like annuities and things like to, that to to deliver income into your portfolios. So I, I see we've got to take a quick break here. As soon as, as soon as we take this break, then I'll come back and I'll talk about the different ways that people can infuse cash or can infuse income into your portfolios without having to sell any shares during during retirement years and that's one of the key features there so hey we're going to take a quick break here give us a call let's go let's just make this open mic saturday any questions on anything at all give us a call the new tax rates uh you know the stock market how to how to best position your your investments for income during retirement whatever your questions may be give us a call 855 rose 123 that's 855 rose 123 or 855-767-3123 you're listening to making money sense i'm larry rosenthal along with my sidekick today chris mckay we'll be back in a moment listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494. Or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703-201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. For more information about how Larry and his team can help you, go to LarryRosenthal.com. You're listening to The Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. Our financial and retirement expert here in the studio is Larry Rosenthal. And if you'd like to call, here's the phone number, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123, to talk to Larry Rosenthal live here in studio today. Larry. 
So, Chris, beginning of the year here, we're getting all caught up. The markets are taking off again. We're talking about money and strategies and how to build wealth and all that kind of fun stuff. But remember, in Matthew verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 24, what the Lord says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Remember that. We need to understand what our role and our responsibility is. After all, it is the Lord. You know, God talks pretty clearly about this in Ecclesiastics. It is the Lord who gives us um, our ability to go out and, and make a living and, and create wealth. And I really like thought that. about need, that scripture. Serve yep. God and money. Yep. We need to really respect whose money it is and what our role as far as stewardship goes with the dollars. So uh, very, very important there. So I see we've got... Uh, yeah, he's still talking to Bob. I was just uh, back back with that scripture. I was just wondering yep. a little bit about that. When when I, you can't serve God and money, I wonder what it means to serve money. What do you think that means? I well, to serve money, Chris. I mean, stop and think about this. You know, becomes your master. Ever, I guess. ever since you've been out on your own, what are, what have you been trying to figure out how to do every day? <laughs> make and a work? Yeah, put money. Make a living. Yeah. Save. You know, invest, grow your assets, you know, that type of thing. And 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 when you take a look out there on, on TV and in all the shows and movies and stuff, and, and they just glamorize wealth and this and that and the That's other, right. and, yeah. you know, and, and why do you think all these all these commercials are out there about your credit rating? Sure. What are they advertising? You buy, 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 get, get this. Right. They're advertising yeah. your credit rating. Get a good credit. That way you can go to the store and buy all kinds of stuff. Yeah. You know, so so I mean, it's it, we need stuff, but but we need to not chase the dollars. God does not want anything between Him and us. Mm-hmm. Nothing, okay. And and you know He wants us to be dependent on Him, and and He gives us. You know, money can be used in a bad way, and it can ruin people, or it can be used in a good way uh, to to spread the, spread the word of the and Lord. Serve around. people, yeah. Yep, exactly. So let's shoot on over to College Park and welcome Fred on the line. Good morning, Fred. How are you? Hi, good morning, Larry. How can I help you, sir? Yeah, yeah, hi. Um, I'm a, a veteran, disabled veteran, and um, I don't have any savings, didn't save anything for retirement because um, of just the financial situations that I had going on in my life. And I had to file bankruptcy, you know, a few years ago, but I, I don't have any major debts right now. I was informed by my uh, attorney that I had won my case with the VA. I should be getting uh, probably uh, some compensation and and about a six-figure number. And um, my question is, I won't be getting this money, from what I understand, until another six to eight months. I just turned 62 in November. Um, If I take my Social Security out, which I do need money um, now, I would be getting about a thousand dollars a month, and I'm trying to figure out whether or not it's advisable to go ahead and take it because I really seriously need the money, or just bite the bullet and try to wait another six to eight months. Well, first of all, Fred, I appreciate your service and everything. Okay, um, and God bless you. And the, the your your ultimate question is: Should you wait and take Social Security? Or, or take it yeah, now at 62? Yeah, I just turned 62 this past November, and um, I'm thinking because I really need the money. You know, I mean, I, I hadn't worked in like seven years. Then I would take dis- it. I would absolutely take it. I mean, it's it's okay. just going to increase by 8%. Per, by, well, not by 8%. It's just going to increase a little bit. 
if you wait to 63 and if you wait to 64 until ultimately your reti- your normal retirement age, which might be 65 or 66 or 67 or somewhere in that area. But yeah, 66. Okay. But if if you need the money now, then take it. If not, then what are you what are you living off of? What are you what are you subjecting yourself to? You're subjecting yourself to uh, cr- increasing debt, living on credit cards, things of that nature, spending down principal. But you know, yeah. if your Social Security is going to come in and and level out your your income and expenses, or at least add to the positive side of that ledger, then absolutely mm-hmm. go ahead and take it. I I, I would definitely. Uh, look, look at doing that without a doubt, and then when you receive your award of 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 the money, you know, in six or eight months or so, then we need to sort of sit down and, and figure out, okay, what are your objectives? What are your goals with these dollars? And put them in a position that's going to give you, you know, growth for the future, but at the same time, probably deliver some more income to you at, at, as well, and and most likely in a tax efficient manner too. Because we need we oh, need money okay. to grow for yourself down the road, but at the same time, we also are probably going to need money to start coming in to supplement your expenses each month. Does that make sense? Right. Yes. 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 Well, what I'm going to do then, uh, Larry, is um, I'll wait to see exactly what this check amount is going to be, and I can call you and um, you know set up an appointment where I can kind of strategize from there what to you know what to use this money or put this money in. Good sure, we can, absolutely, Fred. We'd be happy to to have you work with one of our advisors. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and put you on hold, and we'll send you out the, the our financial planning toolkit ahead of time, and we'll have someone okay. reach out to you next week and maybe start giving you some ideas and and, and thoughts and things on it, uh, so you're ready so when the money comes in, okay? Okay, thank you. Appreciate the phone call. Yep, have a great day. Let me put you on hold here. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Chris, your question before the break to me was, you know, how does pe- how do people put income into their portfolios, in into their life? Fred's a perfect example. You take Social Security. Oh, yeah. Okay? One of the ways is Social Security. Another way is pensions. Okay, and, and, and by the way, let me explain to you, the Social Security decision is a very large financial decision. It really is, um, as, as well as your pension selection. How are you going to select your pension? What's the best you know, way to, to take your pension plans? So uh, the third way is working after retirement, maybe in a part-time job. But here's the nuts and bolts that you really want to get to is, is on the investment side. And again, the question was, how do you put cash into your checking account during retirement years when you're not working, right? Well, some of those have gotchas, too, like the Social Security question that you're talking about. If you take it too early and you're still receiving some other income, you got to pay some of that back, maybe, and just lots well, yeah, of Yeah, there, there's a limit on Social Security. You have to understand the rules. If, if your normal retirement age, let's say, is 66 and you're taking Social Security at 62, you can't work and make more than roughly 17000 a year. Hmm. But now maybe you reduce your income down to 17000 a year, and then Social Security is kicking in for you too. So basically you're getting double income for working half time. You know, so I mean, it's it, you have to really look at it, and each person's scenario is different. Some people would say, nope, don't take it. Other people, they should take it. You know, but but bonds, let's talk about bonds real quick because you were asking – how do you put money? How do you infuse cash into your into your you know checking account to live off of in retirement years? And bond interest is one way to do it, you know. And, and the very 
primary at the very basics of bonds, the primary investment objective of bonds is current income. Growth is secondary, okay? Current income. And and now in, in today's market environment and, and where interest rates are and what interest rates are doing, you need to understand that when interest rates move up and down, some bonds get affected negatively by that and some bonds get affected positively by interest rates moving up. So understand where you are when it comes to the you know, having money in bonds with the primary investment objective of delivering income. Bonds in confuse me, though, a little bit, because when you're talking about bonds, there's living off, you said interest, but is there all, the, you're talking about the interest when they mature? I don't understand how that, how a bond matures versus where there's interest that you in, you get from them. I, what's that all about? Okay, so let's sort of break this down and unpack it a little bit. Let's suppose we go to, uh, you know, company ABC says, hey, we need to raise some money because we want to build a new plant over here, Okay. And the company ABC calls you up, Chris, and says, Chris, I'll tell you what. You lend me $10,000 or you lend me $1,000 or you lend me a million dollars, whatever it is. You lend me $10,000. We'll do math easy here. You lend me $10,000, and I'm going to pay you 5% interest. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to keep that $10,000 for five years. And each year I'm going to pay you $500 in interest. And at the end of the ten years, I'm going to give you back your. Or at the end of the five years, I'm going to give you back the ten grand. So that's the maturity of it. That's the maturity of the bond. Okay. Got it. Now, let's suppose you say, "Hey, this sounds like a pretty good deal. I'm going to do this." And two years into it, interest rates in the marketplace have gone up to let's say seven percent. Now you have a bond earning five. Right, mm, you're missing out. And you decide, hey, you know what? I I I, I want to sell this thing because I want to go get a seven percent bond. Well, if you're selling this bond before it matures, you're going to have to discount it because who's going to go buy this bond from you at f- with a five percent rate versus they can go down to the brand new bond store, if you will, and buy one at seven percent. So you might have to sell your your $10,000 bond midway through the maturity cycle, maybe for $8,500. But if you hold that bond until it matures, you would have collected your interest all along the way and received back your principal because the bonds mature at their principal value. It's very similar to how a CD works in a lot of ways, right? Well, a CD doesn't fluctuate its principal up and down based no, off of interest, but it, you get yeah. your principal back. Yes, yeah. that's correct. On the other side, suppose interest rates dropped. Suppose interest rates went from 5 to 3%, and now you want to sell your bond midway through the maturity life cycle, and everybody's going to the bond store and going, hey, I can get 3%, and Chris says, well, I've got one at 5 Guess what you get to do? You get to charge more money now. You get to charge a premium. Maybe you sell it at $12,000. Okay. Sounds like a so, good, good idea. So, yeah. So, we'll take a look at where interest rates are now and what they're doing. They're starting to rise. So, some bonds will go down in value, just like I described. Whereas, and those bonds are called, or they have what they call duration risk or interest rate risk. Whereas, other bonds have credit risk. In other words, they do well when interest rates are rising. So credit risk bonds are, are they're paying about four and a half, four and three quarters percent interest right now. And as interest rates rise, their values actually go up. They do the exact opposite of what I just described. 
So understand the part of the interest rate cycle that we're in that will help you determine which type of bonds are best in your portfolio. And remember, the primary investment of bonds is current income. Growth is secondary, and this goes all the way back up the food chain to the ultimate question, which is, Larry, tell me some of the ways to put cash or income into our portfolios. And there you go, bonds. Cool. When it comes to that. Or you can ladder bonds. In other words, you can you can buy different individual bonds versus putting them into a mutual fund. So the Federal Reserve is basically going to tell tell you know forecast out their interest rate policies and and they've made it pretty clear their their objective this year is to give three rate hikes uh this year and possibly a fourth uh you know depending on 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 the velocity of the economy expanding and, and things like that you know another way to put cash into portfolios chris is dividends blue chip stocks preferred stocks publicly traded reits so stocks can pay dividends so you can receive income from your dividends or interest, if you will. Uh, it, it acts like interest, but it's dividends. And you can have, you know, small dividend. Uh, you can have stocks that pay a small dividend amount to stocks that pay a very large dividend amount. And the spectrum of dividends today is anywhere from, you know, one or two percent up to twelve or fourteen percent, and everywhere in the middle there. So if you're if you're growing your portfolio and you're not in the distribution stage, you could uh, reinvest those dividends for more money as well, right? Exactly. Reinvest them and, and buy more shares. Gotcha. And then the next time the dividend's paid, you're getting more money because you have more shares of it. That's exactly correct. So, you, you know, if you wanted to build a dividend-producing portfolio, you would look across the spectrum of all the different stocks that are paying different dividend rates, and you would buy different stocks in, Chris, different asset classes, mm. okay, <laughs> that would give you the different, you know, sort of a blended mix, 8 9%, whatever it may be, as far as that goes on the dividend yield uh, spectrum. So so a handful of different ways to infuse cash. And you mentioned an annuity. An annuity, you can put money into an annuity. One of the key things there is you can split fund an annuity. In other words, you can take a pile of money, put half of it into an immediate annuity where it gives you income, let's say, for, for five or seven years. And the other half goes into a deferred annuity where it grows back to double what the original amount was, so you're starting back over again with your principal five, seven, eight years down the road, and you do the same thing again. So so that way you're really never spending down your principal into these things. So lots of different tools and techniques is, is with the products in order to put income into your portfolio because the, the most expensive and complicated thing in retirement planning is understanding the distribution rate, how income comes into your portfolio. Another way is, is through options, is, is simply doing covered calls where you're just, you know, you're just uh, uh, giving somebody the right, it's a very conservative move, giving somebody the right to purchase a stock from you down the road if it hits a certain level. And if it doesn't, you get to keep the stock plus what you charge them for that right. Hmm. So kind of interesting things, very, very interesting ways to, to, to really go about looking at doing it. So, But all this comes back to the the type of excuse me the type of investor someone wants to be do you want to chase poor performance chase great performance or have a well balanced risk reduction diversified portfolio well, so that kind of brings up the final phase that you always talk about the three phases the the last one the distribution phase when you're looking at that is there a way i mean is it possible have you seen it done i know you have probably 
where you're able to go all the way through retirement and never touch your principal but still live off the income of that principal and then be able to live, leave something for your for your family. Well, sure there is, but that just depends on how much asset and you know how, how much, much money you, you have up. and what yeah. your standard of living needs to be, right? Yeah. You know? So, you know, if, if you're the type that says, hey, I want to go water ski behind two boats at the same time, it might not work out too well, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's not a good idea, no. Right, exactly. So, but it's, you know, you need to sort of keep keep your eye on things uh, w- w- with it all and, and understand what's happening in the economy. There's a lot to it. There really, really is. So, hey, I want to change the subject here and talk a little bit now about um, uh, sort of a, a, a uh, nursing home checklist, if you will. Hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. So this is this is a a, a subject that you know it, you know instead of sitting here talking about long term care insurance, long term care policies, and stuff like that, one of the things that I've seen clients uh, struggle with over the years and their parent with their parents, or or or, or exact or you know direct clients is you know how do I go about shopping nursing homes. How do I go about, you know, sort of a checklist, if you will, on on nursing home facilities? What kind of credentials do they have? Uh, what kind of overall environment is there? Uh, what type of activities are there? Uh, you know, we, we, how, how is how care are they delivered? treated? Yeah. How are they treated exactly? What's what's the funding mechanism? What you know? What are the extra ancillary costs involved? Is the facility certified by Medicare or Medicaid? Mm-hmm. You know, so I have this, this big checklist. If you want to get a copy of it, feel free to go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and shoot me off an email. I'll be happy to send this out to you next week, or we're going to post this on our website as well. And and um, if if you uh, want to get a copy of it here, just give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. Be happy to do that. But just, you know, just, Larry, I was just going to ask you a quick question about nursing facilities and things of that nature. You see a lot these days across the board all of these home care businesses popping up. Where they, you know, they actually do the home in care kind of a thing. Is that still covered by these same kinds of insurance like Medicaid, Medicare, and is it a wise decision to move down that road? Or what are your thoughts? On well, that? a lot of times your nursing home policies will cover in home care. Absolutely, they will. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and um, you know, take a look at what your policy covers, uh, and and you know, but l- l- let's get back to. You know, sort of this this checklist, sure. if you will. How long has the facility been certified? Just because they're certified now, ask how long has the facility been certified? What about the ownership of this facility? Is it stable ownership? Um, has it had the same administrator or director, and and for what length of time? Okay, or is there bad turnover at the top? What's going on there? Uh, is is there a statement of residence rights clearly posted? Oh, that's a good one. Yes, you know when when you're looking at at uh, you know nursing homes and and these are checklists that we have. Does the facility have an Alzheimer's unit or other special care units? And are those units restricted to residents with just the special needs, or can anybody come in and out? So. So lots of questions here, and and then go look around. Is the facility well well lit? Is it clean? Is it safe? Does it have a library with books with larger print in it? Hmm. Hmm. So I've I've got I've got dozens and dozens and dozens of questions here on this on on the sheet that we have, as far as you know, stopping and thinking about how do we select a nursing home for our parents? How do we select it? What are the you know the the pros and cons of it? What are the visiting hours? 
What are the visiting hours that you can go in? Are Do they restrict you to visiting hours? Or if you want to go see mom at, at 930 at night, can you just go? Nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how about family? Grandkids. Are grandkids welcome to come? Hmm. Are there restrictions uh, on certain days, certain times? Um you know, are family members allowed to take residents out for a day or overnight? Are you allowed to spend the night there? Huh. Okay. I never thought what about, about that. A, well, yeah, all kinds of stuff, Chris. And this is just sort of a culmination of of visiting with clients and doing financial planning over the years with them. Are you going to make that available for folks as well if they'd like it? I do, yep, yep. If, if you're interested in getting a, a copy of this list, uh, feel free to give us a call, 855-ROSE-123, or simply go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and shoot me off an email. I'll be happy to send it out to you uh, next week. Not, not a promise. We have callers calling in already to get a copy of this list. Go ahead and give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. We're talking about a, a nursing home checklist here today. On, on, you know, th- this isn't the end all by any means, but I've got a few dozen questions on this list here that we're sort of going through, and it's a good start in, in people really getting, you know, getting a grip on all of this, you know. Uh, is the facility close to the resident's doctor? Hey, here's another one. Can, you, can, can the resident feel free to use their own doctor rather than the doctor there? Huh. Okay. Um, you know, what about transportation what about public transportation uh you know just just different things like that um you know i i i, I would say can you just go in and visit whenever you want mm-hmm. four o'clock in the morning eight thirty in the morning um will the nursing facility allow you to come in before you sign up and have meals in the cafeteria will they allow you to tour the kitchen so, so yeah, there's a there's a stigma. A lot of times, a lot of people think about nursing facilities or nursing homes, and they think, well, you're just putting your your family member away. You're not taking care of them. You're you're not bringing them into your own home to take care of them. A lot of people think of that as a as a negative stigma, but a lot of times it's the only way they can get proper care. So these are important questions because you can still be in your uh, in loved one's life and them still be in a nursing facility, and a nursing facility could be good for them mentally as well. So there's a lot of things to think about there's there's all kind every family's different every scenario is different and, and especially you know when you go into the the first level you know assisted living you know you might be perfectly healthy and perfectly fine and maybe they provide you lunch or a social outlet for example exactly exactly chris you know uh maybe you're having you know you, you make your own breakfast and dinner but they have a lunch for you every day or maybe they have you know a lunch and a dinner for you every day or whatever the case may be um, and you have all types of social activities and, and things going on. You know, is is there um, a small convenience store in the facility that you can purchase uh, items, shaving cream, you know, hair care products, toothpaste, you know, snacks, things of that nature? Um, are residents able to enjoy the outdoors? Can they can they walk the the grounds? Is there a garden? Uh, that they can go hang out in. I mean, just bus trips and tours, maybe. I don't know. That's one of the questions we have, too. Yeah. You know, special community events, cultural activities. Do they bring in people uh, for entertainment? So lots of different questions here. And and these are very emotional times and very hard things. And, And this is sort of a glimpse sometimes into what financial planners do when we're working with clients. You know, one of the questions that we'll ask a client is, you know, do you, 
do you anticipate having the need to take care of, of parents in their latter years in life, you know, financially, or do you anticipate an inheritance? You know, because you want to make sure that everything's taken care of, that there's no bad surprises, and that, that when, when things like this arise, you're prepared and you know what questions to ask. It's, it's, it's important. And, it's, and, and, you know, financial planning is not just about, you know, uh, uh, you know, this stock is better than that stock. That's not what the objective mm-hmm. is. It's, it's, it's about quality of life. Plan because you, if you understand... The purpose of long-term care insurance, the purpose of long-term care insurance, Chris, is mainly twofold. It's not one and two. It's maybe 1A, 1B, or maybe just 1A, 1A, okay? But it's to provide the quality of care for the person who needs it and at the same time protect lifelong assets that people have saved for to their heirs so it all doesn't go to a nursing home. Your case in point, Chris, a lot of places, a lot of businesses are popping up doing this because there's so many people. You know, we have, right now we have 10,000 people a day across America on the average turning 65. That's going to happen for another 11 years. And we have 10,000 people a day turning 70 and a half. Hmm. And that's going to happen for about another 23 years. So we have a lot of people. The number one growing age demographic in the U.S. is is over 85. Wow. Yeah. So we're living a lot longer, a lot longer, which is wonderful news, but at the same time, having to look at these types of facilities. So, Just one you thing know. you said there that I think is kind of interesting, just a couple of, uh, a couple of topics sort of back a little bit about uh, some of the things that happen for, you know, if you, they bring in entertainment and things of that nature. If you ever want to, you know, get a little uh, happiness for yourself and for your family, Take a, take a youth group or take a you know a family over and visit in one of these facilities. You'd be surprised how happy it makes those folks that are there to have someone sing or or just sing with them or play the piano or it'll just make you happy when you do that. Yes, absolutely. So so you know part of financial planning is taking a look at at third party risk or risk reduction, which is making sure you have the right types of insurances in place. You know, auto and home and and umbrella liability insurance and underinsurance and things of that nature. Well, long-term care insurance, just like life insurance, long-term care insurance is an important aspect or it it really covers somebody's financial blind spot, if you will, when it comes to estate planning. And and there's two broad categories of policies. There's the traditional long-term care policy that most people have. And, and they're starting to experience uh, massive rate increases that are going up. You know, these are, these are the types of policies that will, will uh, have, uh, you know, a daily, a daily benefit attached to them, you know, a pool of money and things of that nature. Um, so, hey, give us a ring here, 855-ROSE-123. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to describe the different types of long-term care policies that you should be really taking a good, good solid look at it and what to do if your policy starts going up in cost. Give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Remember those kids that you keep your kids away from? Those kids that society doesn't seem to know what to do with? That kid you saw on the street corner last week? Remember that kid that, well, you feel sorry for? The dropout, the pregnant teen, the drug addict? Mm-hmm. 
Those are the kids that Youth for Tomorrow wants to reach. And Youth for Tomorrow has reached nearly 800 children since opening its doors in 1986. That's 800 young men and women helped to become responsible and effective members of society. The founder and chairman of Youth for Tomorrow, former Washington Redskins coach and current NASCAR team owner Joe Gibbs, says if we don't do what we can to influence our young people, there are plenty of others who will in the wrong direction. For more information about Youth for Tomorrow, call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You can help turn a negative into a positive. Call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. Looking for an objective and independent financial planner? You found one. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show. A few more minutes to get your phone calls in here to talk to our financial and retirement expert here in studio, Larry Rosenthal. He's taking your calls right now at 855-767-3123. Once again, the telephone number, 855-ROSE-123, to talk to Larry Rosenthal here in studio today. Larry. Yep, Chris, so we're breaking down the different types of long-term care insurance. We have uh, the traditional type of policy where, you know, for a premium, you have a 90-day elimination period. It covers you in the different levels of, of nursing home, including assisted living. And at home health care, too, Chris, uh, it has a cost of living rider to it. It has a daily benefit and blah, blah, blah. And what we're seeing now is is rates are starting to, to escalate, skyrocket, if you will, uh, massive rate increases and stuff. And a few years ago, a handful of years ago, there's a new type of li- of long-term care policy out. Not a lot of people are familiar with it, and, and they should be, but it's a life-slash-long-term care policy. So so it, it pays the same type of benefit, your daily benefit and, and things of that nature. It has elimination periods and, and all the same stuff. But it's it, it functions a little differently. If you take a look at the traditional long-term care policy, what would happen if if somewhere down the road, I don't know, say age 92 or something like that, you were to pass, okay? Um, You've paid all these years of premiums into the policy, and there's no benefit coming out the back end. Whereas the life-slash-long-term care policy, we know that everybody's going to pass one day. So if you were just to pass then at least the the benefit comes back to you in the form of life insurance. Whereas on the, uh, uh, if you were to use, let's say, 50% of the, of the benefit in the long-term care facility and then pass, at least the long-term care facility is paid, but you're still going to get the other 50% paid back to you in the form of life insurance proceeds. And we're going to break this down a little bit more, but let's first uh, welcome David online. Good morning, David. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, sir? I'm well. How can I help you? Well, um, I have having a little issue here with a um, uh, uh, my financial man that takes care of my mother's finance, and he's also the uh, executor of the estate. Um, I'm the oldest of my family, and <clears throat> I just feel like um, he's not doing a very good job with doing my mother's financing. Um, he he took this responsibility um, 12 years ago, and it seems like he's just sort of laying down now. Uh, he doesn't want to do anything as far as uh, you know being a rep payee, as far as her medical stuff and all that. And I tried to uh, do that myself 
and then it just caused a big mess, and now he's blaming me for all of it, which he should have done it from the get-go. Is there um, any way as far as me as the oldest son to be able to um, counter the um, – how do I say this? To, to be able to take control when my mother put him in control of his, you know, of the whole ball of wax, so to speak. Um, I'm is your just mom, concerned. Is, from, is, does, is your mom still uh, of sound mind? I'm sorry? Is your mom still okay? Is she she able yeah, to? Well, she has, she has dementia. She's not able to make decisions for herself. So... Um, uh, this past summer, um, I, I became the rep payee. Well, the long story, I mean, I hate to take up a whole lot of time here, but the long story was, uh, we could not find her Medicare card when we changed facilities, put her in a new facility that was cheaper in Georgia. So when we did that, um, the next two months, the facility that she was in, was not taking care of her, and that's the reason why I wanted to move her. So the um, the um, executive of the state said, okay, let's get her moved. So I took care of all that. Well, <clears throat> in the process, we found out she had a bad um, stomach problem, and um, she was impacted, yada, yada. So she had to spend like several weeks in the hospital. Well, nobody could find her. Uh, Medicare card. When they switched facilities, they never transferred all that information over. And so, um, long story short, um, I had to become the rep payee to be able to get the, the, you know, the Medicare card and all that. And then they started sending me her, you know, monthly check because that's the normal scenario. Um, so um, then I started sending my mother's check down to the accountant, so to speak. And they couldn't cash it because of a big deal about, uh, well, you you have to have your mother's name on the account. Well, my mom, I'm not on my mother's account, so I couldn't do anything about it. But now um, I just feel like his responsibility should have been to take care of all that, but yet he didn't want that responsibility. So, know, Dave, David, here's – Here's here's the the deal. First of all, I'm going to stay online with you after the show ends here, but we're coming down to the last few moments of the show. So, the when somebody's an executor, uh, you know, or in care, their their primary objective here is to take care of the person of your mom. Okay. And and then the secondary thing is to do what's in the best interest of the beneficiaries. Okay. And so you as a beneficiary have the right to to speak out on this, okay? Now, I don't know what legal documents are in place and, and, and all of that. So it, it looks like to me that, that you, you, you need to do a little investigation with that stuff and, and um, talk with – uh, try to talk with this guy a little bit more. Let, 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 let me let me go ahead and put you on hold, David. I've got music in my ears right now, so we've just got a less okay. than a minute left. I'm going to place you on hold, and I'm going to stay in studio afterwards and, and pick you up, okay? Let me put you on hold just a second. 
Be listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. If you want copies of our of our nursing home checklist, go ahead and give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123, or go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. If you have questions during the week, we handle all kinds of questions and send out tons of info. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.